And my name is Chris, I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond, as, as Pat and Steph said a little bit earlier. And we are so excited to have you here with us tonight because uh, this, is, this is probably the most exciting series of the year. This is, uh, one of the, this is the series or one of the series that we get most excited about. And as, uh, as Pat and Steph alluded to, the name of this series is simply this, Be Rich. Uh, and and the, now I, I need to kind of acknowledge something up front and just kind of leave everyone's tension because I know as soon as some of you hear this word, rich in church, you think that this is going to be a series all about taking your money. Maybe you've had a bad experience in church where you went to a church where all they talked about was money, where all they wanted was your money. And we want to let you know right off the bat that this series is, is not about uh, taking money, but this series is about generosity. This series is all about how can we use what we have to bless and be a blessing to, the, to uh, our local community and the lives of people around us. And in fact, the reason we actually do this series uh, is because of a letter that a guy called Paul wrote to another guy called Timothy. Now, just to kind of give you some context, who's this random guy, Paul? Who's this random guy, Timothy? Uh, Paul, uh, Paul is kind of a big deal in the early Jesus movement. In fact, if you want to know uh, kind of the impact on history, no one had a bigger impact on the Jesus movement in history apart from Paul. Okay, Paul uh, was this guy who, he's got a fascinating backstory. If you haven't heard about it, you should check it out. But essentially, he was a Christian killer until he became a Christian. Then he started planting and started building these churches all around the Mediterranean Rim. And, uh, and Paul was kind of like a really A-type, very driven person. So it wasn't enough for him just to start a church and kind of uh, be, the, like, be the guy who oversaw it. He had to go and keep starting other churches and more and more and more. And he wanted to start as many as he possibly could. So what he would do is in the, in the context and in the cities that he would go into, he would develop leaders, he would develop men and women as leaders within these local communities. And then Paul would go and Paul would say, hey, I'm going to mentor you, I'm going to give you support from afar. Unfortunately, um, unlike today, Paul didn't have the luxury of FaceTime. Paul couldn't just Skype in when there was a problem at one of the churches and kind of say, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, Paul often found out about some of the problems that their leaders were having. And so what he would do, he would go really old school and he would write a letter and he would get a courier, deliver that letter to some of the church leaders. And Timothy, Timothy is one of the church leaders that kind of Paul built up and Timothy's a pastor or one of the pastors overseeing this local church. And, uh, and Paul writes, we've, we've got two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. Maybe he wrote more, we're not sure. But in one of the letters Paul writes to Timothy, he talks about and he gives us the reason that we do our Be Rich series. And I just want to show it to you really quickly as we, we get the series underway. He says this, he says, teach those, now we should clarify those, who are those? These are Christians, okay? So this series, I'll be upfront. if you would say I'm not really a follower of Jesus, this series for you is optional. We hope that you, you'd want to be generous and that you want to be a part of what we're doing. But, but uh, Paul is writing to Timothy who's talking to Christians. Okay, so this is 100% for Christians. And he goes, teach those Christians who are rich. We need to camp out on that word for a minute. <clears throat> because chances are you hear that word and you think to yourself, well, I'm a Christian, I might tick that box, but I'm definitely not rich, right? Because you know when this word comes to mind, you think of someone else. And you think, well, I'm not rich, but you know who is rich? My friend's parents. Oh man, they are so, you should see their house. You should see their boat. You should see... They have a holiday house at the coast. It's a penthouse holiday house. You will not believe it. They go on overseas holidays all the time. Because right, when we think of rich, we always tend to think of someone else. Someone else who has more money or more stuff or someone else is rich, but we are not. And we wouldn't, oftentimes, we wouldn't classify ourselves in this boat. 
But here's what I want to let you in on, is that you can actually be rich without feeling rich. So many of us, if someone is to say, okay, well, well, when would you be rich? At what point in your life, what, what dollar value would you have to get to until you're rich? And you might throw a dollar value out there, but I guarantee that there would be people who have got to that dollar value that you want to get to, and they would say, well, actually, I don't feel rich. And here's the truth is that we often associate with being, being rich with a feeling or a dollar value in the bank account, but you can be rich without having either of those things. And I know some of you are probably like, mm, I don't think so. Let me prove it to you. There is this thing, you can go to, you can type this website in on your phone, www.globalrichlist.com. Now the global rich list, what the global rich list allows you to do, it allows you to put in the income that you earn in a year or the income that your household earns in a year and it will rate you on a global scale of how rich you are. Now in case, um, a little bit of a time saver, I threw in just some random dollar values just to help us all out and kind of get us a ballpark for where maybe some of us sit on this global rich list because you're still probably thinking like, well, no, I wouldn't be in the global rich list. If you earn $5,000 a year, so part-time job, maybe one or two shifts a week, you're in the top 30% of rich people in the world. Jump that up to $10,000 a year, all of a sudden you're in the top 20% of people in the world, globally, for your wealth. If, you're, if you individually, your household cumulatively earns $52,988, which is the average Australian income, you are a one percenter. If you grew up in a household, or you currently now live in a household that earns more than this, $52,988 a year, you are in the one percenters of global rich list. Chances are you still don't feel rich though. But globally, you've made it. Congratulations. And so all I do this is to say that when Paul is writing this, Paul is writing this to Christians just like you and just like me. And he goes on, he says, teach those who are rich in this world. And we just established that for the vast majority of people in this world, maybe you grew up or, or at least you're in the top 30% or maybe uh, you're probably in the top 30% of people in this uh, room. Even if you uh, don't have a job, you're probably part of a household that earns more than $5,000 a year. So this is us in this world. Not to be proud and not to trust in their money. And the reason he puts this in here, because Paul knew what we often forget is that we think, if I could just get a little bit more money, then I would be more generous. If I had more cash to give away, then, 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 then I would be more generous. But, but Paul knew 2,000 years ago what data shows us today. That the more money you get doesn't make you more generous. In fact, if you were to look at Australia and you were to look at the people who give the most money away, they fall in the median income bracket. The more money you get, the less you give away. That's what the data tells us. That's what the statistics tell us, that the more money you actually get, the less and less you give away. Why? Because you begin to trust in your money. And every, the more and more you amass, every dollar that you give away is a dollar you could be using for something for you. And Paul is saying to Christians, I don't want you to do that. But he, he doesn't just say, hey, money's bad, don't put your hope in it. He gives them a reason why. He says, hey, here's why. Don't put your hope in money because it is so unreliable. In other words, your money cannot fix your marriage. Your money cannot fix your relationships. Your money 
can maybe give you a feeling of hope, but your money cannot give you a sense of hope throughout life. Your money cannot give you ultimate purpose. Really what Paul is saying is, why would you put your hope in something that when you leave this world, it's not coming with you? Why would you bother doing it now if you're not going to have your hope in it at the end? And then he goes on, he says this. He says, their trust, followers of Jesus, Christians, their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And he's reminding the Christians, he's saying, hey, if you believe that Jesus entered into history, that he died on the cross for you, then you shouldn't be tempted to place your trust and and put your pride in money. Your trust should be in God. And this is how he finishes it. He says, they should be rich, where we get our series from, be rich, and this is how they should be rich, in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. What Paul is saying is, if you're, in a to- if you're the top one percenter, if you're in the top 30%, 20%, if you are rich by global standards then, and you're a follower of Jesus, then this should be you. You should be rich and you should be generous in, in the money that you have. You should realize that God has given you money not to necessarily make you feel proud, but to give it away and be for and love other people within the community. Essentially, the reason that we do this series is to help us see that being rich begins where you're at, not when you get more money. Because you can be rich by Paul's definition. You can be for people in the community right where you're at. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You don't have to wait till you get more money to do that. You can do that and we can do that right now. Now, chances are, as you're listening to that, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, no, I'm kind of picking up on that whole vibe of generosity. Like, I get that's why you do it, Chris. Like, but that's not really new. Like, this idea of giving a little bit away of what you have, that's not really a new idea. But actually, the reason that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy in the first place, the reason that Paul's writing this in the letter is because in 2,000 years ago, this was a new idea. See, 2,000 years ago, generosity was not understood as we understood it today. See, 2,000 years ago, generosity was understood by this word, liberalitas. Now, this word, liberalitas, essentially means that you be generous towards someone else if they can do something back for you. You give to people who can give back to you. In fact, emperors and kings would go and march down the city streets, march down the streets of their towns, and they would throw coins out to people who would line the streets. And these emperors, they would shout out as they're yelling those coins out, liberalitas, liberalitas. And the people who lined the streets would bend down and they would pick up these coins. And on the coin would be stamped the words liberalitas. And essentially what these kings and what these emperors were doing was buying the people's loyalty. They were saying, hey, there will come a time and there will come a day where I'm going to need something from you. And when I need something from you, I want you to remember what I've already done for you because I'm going to be coming and I'm going to be knocking and I'm going to be asking for that favor and you better be ready. The problem with this societal structure and this liberalitas understanding of generosity is that people that didn't have anything to offer were marginalized and pushed to the fringes of society and in this culture 2,000 years ago the Roman culture and the pagan culture 2,000 years ago the two main groups of people that did not have anything to offer anyone were widows and orphans widows and orphans no one 
was willing to give a hand to a widow or an orphan because they knew that they couldn't call the favor back in themselves. And what you would discover is when famines or when plagues would sweep through towns, it was always the widows and always the orphans that were left there to fend for themselves. But as you read through history, around about 2,000 years ago, you see this strange shift begin to develop. And you see that when plagues and when famines swept through towns and left them devastated, that, that this group of people begin to pop up and his Jewish historians and Roman historians write about this group of people who began to pop up in these towns, and when everyone else was running away, they were running towards them. And these, this group of people, that they're told that they, uh, a lot of them died from the sicknesses they received when they were trying to help these people with these plagues. A lot of them starved to death while they were trying to help people as they were going through this famine. But this group of people were followers of Jesus. And the reason that they ran in the direction where everyone else was running away is because they understood what Paul was talking to Timothy. And they understood a completely different idea than this word liberalitas. They understood this generosity that Jesus brought into history. And we're going to look actually at one of the first times that Jesus brings this idea into history. It's probably one of Jesus' most famous messages ever. If, you're, if you've been to church for a while, uh, chances are you've, you've heard this or you know of it. It's called the Sermon on the Mount which is essentially just the message that Jesus gave on a mountainside. Uh, this is probably not, more than likely not a one-off message. Jesus probably gave this message over and over and over again in a whole heap of different locations and a whole heap of different towns. But Matthew, who recorded this, um, this message, he, uh, he records the one time that Jesus gave it on a mountain, so he calls it the Sermon on the Mount. And before we get to this, to how Jesus flips this idea on its head, we all need to kind of get on the same page, and I need to give you a little bit of background. So Jesus is on a mountainside, um, and he's surrounded, Matthew tells us he's surrounded by a crowd. Matthew doesn't give us, like, the crowd count. There wasn't anyone, like, walking around with a clicker letting us know. But we, we do know that in, uh, in other parts, in some of the other biographies that we have of Jesus, when that word crowd was used, it often meant thousands. So let's at bare minimum say there were hundreds of people on this mountainside surrounding Jesus. The other thing you need to realize is that the, most of the people in that crowd were either Jewish people, they, or they, they, were, uh, they would uh, follow the Jewish religion, or they knew and understood or had some kind of idea about Judaism. And, and uh, just to kind of, so we're all on the same page, one of the big dogs in Judaism is this guy called Moses. If you know nothing about Moses, Moses is the guy with the Ten Commandments. Think Ten Commandments and you've got Moses. Moses is the guy who came down with God's Ten Commandments for the people. Now that we kind of set the scene, we can jump into what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus, what he says is this, he says, you have heard the law, that's Moses, Ten Commandments, mountains, think that, that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, liberalitas. Do for others as they can do for you. If they can't do for you, do not do for them. And then Jesus says this, but I say. And we look at that and we're like, well, that's just a but, right? That's not a big deal. But this was a, this was a big deal to the people who are sitting, I was nearly going to say big butt, but that would have been awkward. <clears throat> One T, not two. But this was a big deal to the people who were sitting on the mountain in front of Jesus. Because essentially what Jesus was doing was taking this idea in Judaism, this idea that Moses has brought down and he was changing it. And we look back in history and we go, well, of course he can change it. He's Jesus, right? But at this point in history, he wasn't Jesus. He was that carpenter dude from Nazareth. 
And Moses was Moses. He was the man. And so Jesus comes in and goes, but I've got something else. I've got something I want to change. And by saying this, what Jesus was not so subtly saying to that crowd was that I am God. Because only God can change the laws that God gave to Moses. And so this is what Jesus says. He says, but I say, love your enemies. I don't want you to just do for people who can do for you. I want you to love people who don't have your best interests at heart. In fact, I want you to go out of your way to find people who don't have your best interests at heart, and I want you to love them. And then Jesus, he says, he says two more kind of crazy things, but the thing he says next, I just think is so ingenious, is he says, I want you to pray for those who persecute you. Because I just imagine that if I heard Jesus say, love your enemies, my first thought would have been just to run to my house, run to my room, and lock myself in my room and go, well, if I can't see them, I don't have to love them. If I don't have to be around them, I don't have to love them, right? And Jesus has already thought this through. He goes, no, I actually want you to pray for those who persecute you. If you want to run away, that's fine. But what I want you to do is I want you to get down on your knees and I want you to think about that person that you don't like, that person that, who doesn't have your best interests at heart, and I want you to pray to God. And I want you to say, God, would you have their best interests? God, I pray the best for them. And here's, here's the crazy thing that Jesus says. This is the offensive part. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. In other words, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not loving your enemies and you're not praying for those people who don't share the same views and values of you, Jesus would say you're not acting as a true child of God. You might say it, but you're not actually following what I taught is what, is what Jesus would say. And this is so critical. This is, this is so critical for us to grasp because if we can grasp the enormity of this, it can begin to shift the culture today as it shifted the culture 2,000 years ago. Because essentially what Jesus is saying is, people who do not share your views and values, I want you to love them anyway. I want you to love them regardless whether they ever, ever follow your views and values. But people who have, a different, who have different views and values to you, I want you to um, find ways to love them. Essentially what he's saying is this, is that followers of Jesus are to be known for what they're for, not what they're against. And too often, today, the church is really well known for what it stands against. But it's not so well known for what it stands for. That's why we say all the time here at Beyond that you are welcome to belong here before you believe or if you never believe. Why? Because we know that there's a reason that you hold the views and values that you do. And our primary goal is not to change your views and not to change your values. Our primary goal is to love you. Our primary goal is to love you the same way that Jesus has loved us and he gave up his life for us. And so we want to love you even if you don't share our views and don't share our values. That's okay. And the reason we do this Be Rich campaign is because for people who come on a Sunday night, we, we, want, to, we want to know that even if people never want to join us on a Sunday night or on a Sunday morning, we want them to know that we are for them. And so every year we do this campaign and uh, we try to raise money and we try to help out as we can so that our community knows that even if they never come and spend time with us, that we are for them. And so the application of everything that we've been talking about tonight, we wrap it up and put it in this thing called a Form Monday. The application for this week is uh, 
be for our community, and we want you to practice being rich. Now, I'm going to give you three ways, three ways that you can practice being rich over the, the course of the next three weeks, because the next three weeks are going to be awesome. We've got a whole heap of stuff going on that falls under our Be Rich campaign. And the first way that you can um, practice being rich with us is that you can contribute financially to our Be Rich campaign. Uh, every year, last year, we raised just over $1,600 for two local organizations. During this campaign, 100% of the money that we receive, we give 100% of it away. And what we do is we, we like to pick two local organizations that are making a real difference in our community, and we like to practice being rich to them by giving them a donation. We don't tell these organizations that we're going to be doing this. These organizations don't have any affiliation to be on. We just want to practice and say thank you because they're for, their com uh, for our community, and so we want to help them uh, along their way. And the two organizations we have this year, before I, actually, before I do that, I'll let you know, like I said, we raised $1,600 last year. This year, we're raising the bar. We want to raise $3,000 total. Now that we've got two services, now that we've got a new location, $3,000 is our goal. And these are the two organizations we're going to be raising money for. The first one is Griffin State School Chaplaincy. So we're meeting, actually, in Griffin State School, and we've been so... Uh, incredibly fortunate to partner with Griffin in a whole heap of stuff. But one of the things that Griffin actually doesn't have right yet now at the moment is a chaplain, and, and we've heard that the school is looking at securing funding and looking at ways they can go about it, and they're trying to fundraise, and they haven't approached us or asked us, but we want to gift them some money to go towards a chaplain. And the reason is because if you look at this community, the, the school is the central hub of this community. Currently, there's, there's six, nearly 700 learners who come here every single day. And unfortunately, some of those learners don't have a caring adult in their life. And so we want to contribute and help the school at least put one caring adult in their life. That if they need it, they know that there's a place that they can go to in their school where they go every single day and they can interact with someone who cares for them. The other organization we want to be rich towards is Headspace at Redcliffe. And if you don't know anything about Headspace, Headspace is an organization that's designed for, for people who are 12 to 25 years old. And the reason that Headspace exists is because 75% of mental health issues arise before the time someone reaches 25 years old. And so Headspace uh, exists to provide a holistic approach to helping young people begin to have the tools to help them deal with some of the mental health issues that they may come up with in life. So by the time that they, they hit 25, they've already got a toolkit. They've already got some skills to be able to um, journey through um, and, and come face to face with some of the issues they may be facing in life. They've already got a toolkit behind them. And so our goal is to raise $3,000 to be rich and give towards these two organizations. And if that's, if that's something you want to do, if you want to contribute towards that, then, then here's our details. You can take a picture. I'm sure this will be up on our social media. The account number, the BSB. If you're looking at the account name and you're like, I thought this was Beyond Church. Yes, it is Beyond Church, but Living Faith Lutheran Church is the name of the church who helped us get our start. And so they take care of some of our administrative functions. They take care of our finances. So that's why the account name is that. Really important in the description Write Be Rich. If you can write Beyond, great, but we, uh, if, uh, if your bank has space for that. Otherwise, just make sure you write Be Rich so we can make sure that the money you donate goes towards these two organizations. Uh, if, you, if, you know, if you're not an online person, 
our offering jars at the back. In fact, our offering jars for this entire next three weeks, all the money in those jars, if you contribute uh, with physical cash, will go straight towards these. We've already pre-decided that. So if you don't want to have your money go towards that, just hold on to it until the three weeks is over. The other two ways that you can contribute to Be Rich. Firstly, uh, we, we've done this within our Connect groups previously, but this year we decided to incorporate into our Be Rich campaign is you can actually bring some non-perishable food items at the Connect desk, the funky desk at the, in the foyer on the way through. Um, as you walked in, you might have seen a basket with some food items in it. Um, on, on your way out, you can kind of get a, a sense of what sort of non-perishable food items we're talking about by having a peek in there. But if you just want to bring some food items along, uh, you are so welcome to do that. And what we're going to do is we're preparing a number of hampers because there are some families within this community and unfortunately at this time of year leading up to Christmas, they have to make a decision. Do we, do we put Christmas dinner on the table or do we get some presents? And we want to make it really, really easy for them that, so that we can say, hey, here's, here's some food. We've got that taken care of. You can have something under the tree for your kids when they wake up Christmas morning. And so if you want to partner with that, we actually know that... Um, uh, that there are some organizations of people who, uh, the workplaces that they're in, the environments they're in, they've heard about this and their workplace is already like, hey, let's just get some hampers because we love what you're doing. We want to contribute to Be Rich. So that's the second way. The third way that you can do that, uh, that you can uh, partner with us for Be Rich, is you can actually serve. Because next Saturday, next Saturday, just down on the hall, Griffin, it's going to be the biggest event that happens in Griffin uh, for the year. In fact, over 5,000 people are going to be coming to the Griffin Christmas Carnival. And we have two time slots available. Um, for those of you who have been coming here for a while, th th there were some times floated around. We finally got the, cr the correct official time slots. Uh, you can volunteer to serve from 10 to 12 or from 11 to 1. And you can nominate by going to our website, www.beyondchurch.com.au. And there's a slide, there's a, a little um, poster there that says, Go Beyond. You can write your name, you can write your, uh, your best contact detail, and then you can select the best time and one of our team will be in contact with you. And during those couple of hours, it's really simple. What we're going to do is we're going to help the stallholders set up, we're going to help the rides people set up, we're going to help the staging and the lighting people set up, and we're just going to lend a hand and be a part of the biggest event that's in our community just because we want to support it just because we believe it's so valuable and we want people to know that we are for it as well. See, really the reason that we do Be Rich is because within our culture, slacktivism is a real thing. All you have to do is look on Facebook to see so many people pointing out all the problems in the world. There's a problem there and 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 a problem there. And so many people pointing out problems, but we actually want to be one of those communities that says, you know what, there are so many problems, but rather than pointing them out, we're just going to start attacking them. We're going to start attacking the, the problems that are right in front of us and the issues that are right in front of us, and we're just going to do it one problem at a time. And our hope is that the people would see us just attacking one problem at a time, and then other people would say, you know what, I just want to join in. I just want to help you guys continue to attack the problems that continue to be for your community because you don't show people that you're for them and that you care about them just by making a Facebook post. You show it by being rich. And the truth is, 2,000 years ago, generosity changed the course of history. And because of the words that Jesus uttered on that mountainside in front of those hundreds of people, we now have a completely different understanding of this word, generosity. And we have an opportunity to continue that movement. We have an opportunity to, to remind people 
that there is a way to be rich and there is a way to make a difference in someone's life with what you have. So this week, join the movement and help us be rich in our community. Let's pray. Jesus, sometimes it is so easy to just take what we have for granted. It's so easy to think that, hey, if I give something away, I'm actually missing out. Lord, but you call those of us who follow you. You call those of us to not put our hope in money, but to put our hope in you. And you're a God who is for people. You're a God who stepped into history and gave up his life to just show how much, uh, just how for people you are. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be for people. That regardless of, of their views and regardless of their values, that when they look in on our community, they would say, you know what, I don't agree with what they believe, but they are making such a difference. And I am so glad that they're here. I am so glad that this church exists in our community because our community would be worse off if they weren't here. Lord, help us to be rich and to encourage others to be rich pray these things in Jesus' name.